Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to today's featured specials. This is Loose Lips. We started on Monday. We had some incredible chats. Loose Lips is geared behind spreading positive, loving vibes. Obviously, the situation that we're going through at the moment, this is designed to take your mind away from it, escape, enjoy, just have a good laugh and learn about some people you may know, some people you may not know, but just learn a bit more about their life and feel inspired uh, just through the chats that we have. So very fortunate. Our first chat coming up is going to be with a gentleman by the name of Chris Fountain. You'll definitely, definitely recognise him. One of Bradford's finest years. Shout out to everybody that's coming through. I see you all. Give you all little cheeky waves on here. Ooh, let's give some waves out. Wave, 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 wave. <laughs> Shout out with some waves to you all there. Uh, we're just waiting for him to come through. As soon as he comes through, uh, we'll get him linked up, Mush. We'll get him on. We'll get him on and we'll get chatting on the split screen. Likewise, as long as you're locked in, if you want to send any questions, uh, you want me to put to him, anything like that, uh, feel free. And I'll look to uh, involve them in the chat as well. Uh, so, yeah, we're just waiting for him to come through. And then we shall begin. Is it wrong to... Jing Whiskey at three. It bets not because I've been drinking it since one. Way rock and roll, rock and roll. Um, so yeah, those of you that are, are, familiar, are not familiar with Chris, he was uh, in Hollyoaks back in the day as Justin when Hollyoaks was Hollyoaks, when Hollyoaks was the show. He was also in Coronation Street. Um, but I'm going to speak to him more about life after that, really. Um, not giving too much away, but... I've been quite familiar with him um, for a few years and um, one of the craziest places that I managed to uh, bump into him was Burning Man in America, um, in the desert. So I'm, I'm wanting to learn more about his, like, his, his, um, his wonderlust. You know, he seems like he's a, a seeker. He's currently in Bali as we speak. He's stuck out in Bali. I see he's just joined. Um, so Chris, if you want to send us a, a request, I'll get you added and then uh, we'll get cracking away. But yeah, he's he's currently in Bali as we speak. It's uh just past just gone past eleven there, eleven in the in the evening. So um it's pretty crazy. Uh fair play for him for joining at this time. So yeah. If you send requests, brother, and then uh we'll get locked in. He's sent a cheeky wave. He's in the room. He's in the room. <laughs> It should just be on your um, bottom of the thread, you know, like on the comments thread. If you scroll to the top and you should see it saying, um, send Ben a request, then you send that. I'll accept it. Here we go. Yes, loud in the words of. Yes, loud. Technology is connecting. Let's see if this works from Leeds to Bali. <laughs> Yes. Yes, brother. How are you, man? You good? How then? How are you? Yes, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Things could be things could be a hell of a lot worse. Well, yeah, let, let's take, let's take it up from there straight off because obviously what we're going through is crazy enough. But to be trapped out in Mad. Bali, obviously you're sort of stuck in paradise. So it has a weird like sort of caveat to yeah, it. Yeah, you know what, mate? Like. The, the process of going out to then almost realising that you sort of abandoned out there? Yeah, I mean, so what happened was, I um, my friend Lloyd, like, kind of lives in Bali for, like, six months of the year. 
Here he is. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yes, boy. <laughs> Yeah, and um, he's basically he's been going on at me and going on at me saying, you've got to come out and visit me, you've got to come out and visit me. DJ's quite a lot over here. And so this was just like at the very beginning of like the coronavirus thing. Like it was, it was, it was kind of happening, but it still wasn't like at the level that it's at in the UK at the moment. So I checked on like the government website and I was like, is it going to be safe for me to go? And everything was clear. And I was like, all right, cool. So I, I originally, I came out here on the... I actually came out on uh, Friday the 13th of March, so that was not a bad omen, a bad omen to start off with. So, um, anyway, I arrived, and like the first couple of days, everything was everything was kind of sweet, and then it kind of changed. Like after like the first four or five days, it's still, I mean, even now, like still here, we're not we're not like properly locked down. Like you can still travel around. There's still a few things that are open and stuff, but in terms of like all the bars are shut. All the restaurants are pretty much takeout only. Um, which, to be honest, mate, when I'm looking at like what's going on at, yeah. at home and people just being completely locked down, like I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. But the only thing that's a bit concerning is like they're not really sure if Bali are kind of giving the right numbers out of how many people are getting it or whether there could be a chance of it turning into an epidemic here. I mean, I've had, I've had two flights cancelled so far. So you are um, trying to look to get back then? So you are trying to uh, get to look kind to of, back? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough one because... Oh, I think we might have just lost him there one sec. Hello, are we there? Oh, sorry, we mate. Yeah, yeah, come back through. You just come back through now. So you were just saying it's a tricky one? Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah it's because, you... like, I mean, they say, the government say you've got to try and get back as soon as possible. Okay. I'm gonna set. One set. Everyone watching, thank you for holding tight. This is uh, me um, talking with Chris Fountain. He's currently in Bali. He's currently in Bali, so uh, we're just obviously gauging what it's like with the Wi-Fi picking him up. So yeah, I'm he's trying, I'm trying. Step, brother. We've got you now, yeah, man. Yeah, we've yeah, got you now, just, brother. It's, so it's an odd situation because I kind of. Yeah, they've told us that we, we should try and get back as soon as possible, but it's really difficult to find flights. There's flights getting cancelled left, right and centre. And then it's like, well, what am I coming back to? Like, mm. I'm going to have to travel through, like, three airports, which is going to be a risk. And then when I get back, I can't go and see my family because I've got a quarantine for, for two weeks. And then I'm just going to be stuck in my flight in London. So I'm like, well... I might as well just try and make the most of, of being out here. I mean, I'm, I'm so lucky to be here, like, to still be able to, like, look at the stars and see the sunsets and, and just be able to ride around on my bike a little bit. It's, it's I don't think we've, we've kind of, we've not, we've not really been taking that in up until, like, the last couple of days. We're like, wow, we're pretty, pretty lucky to, to be here at the moment. But I am missing my family and stuff. I mean, the only, the only real worry that I've got is that if I was to get ill out here or if anyone in my family was to get ill at home, there's no way that either of us can get to each other. That's that's my only my only concern really. But other than that, it's all positive vibes over here, mate. It's all good. You are a positive brother, and yeah, I want to sort of lean on the family side a bit because you are a proper family man. I yeah, I, I you know I remember back yeah. in the day, uh, obviously when you were on the come up and stuff, and you and your mum have a real close relationship. Yeah, super tight, man. Yeah, it's um. For, for most of my childhood and growing up, it was me, my mum, my grandma and granddad. That's kind of just what, what my, little, my little family unit was. 
Um, and he's still pretty much that now. I mean, we lost my grandma a few years ago, but she was an absolute boss woman. Um, and yeah, it's, to be honest, it, it was actually nice because just before I flew out to Bali, um, I was back up in, in Bradford for a while, helping my mum move Bradford. house. And yeah, Bradford massive. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's moved house. And it was, um, it was interesting because the house we used to live in, we'd been there for 25 years. So wow. pretty much my entire life, was was in the loft at that house like my, my school books my planners like my first ever Hollyoaks scripts like <laughs> just just everything everything you can imagine and um it was a stress like going through everything but it was actually really nostalgic man like to look through like reading my french coursework and like just reading my planners like cf loves whoever it was at that point <laughs> There's all sorts of stuff in there, man. It was, it was really, really nice. It's mad that, you know, when you move, like, the, the family home, especially for us, the sort of home that you were, you know, growing to being a teenager and then becoming an adult in, you know, it's so many memories that evoke yeah. when you're walking around there and it feels like a good change of chapter. But You forget you see, a lot of them, though. You forget until you see the evidence. You forget a lot of stuff. Yeah, isn't it mad how, like, the mind pockets away different memories until you've got that little trigger, and then it's like, oh, my gosh, and you remember it as fresh as the day. Yeah. Like, my mum were moving in, um, she handed me, do you yeah, remember the man. record of achievement? Oh, mate, I found mine. You know what I'm Never saying, used mate? It. Ever. Record of achievement. Never like... used it. <laughs> just, mate, just... I, saw, I found mine, I was like, shit, what, what did I achieve here? What did I actually achieve? And I looked at it, I was like... I never used any of this, ever. No. <laughs> the record of achievement <laughs> is such a crazy, crazy thing. It's like so much oh, went man. into putting it but in. You, and then I would... used to be so proud of it. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was your thing. Like, any time yeah, between man. 17 and 19 before really college or old, you'd take your record of achievement to every sort of interview that you yeah. had. You'd be like, ooh, look at this. Ooh, look at my record of achievement. With all these certificates yeah, in there. <laughs> It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Oh, so, gosh. So, yeah, so, but it was, it was... Go on. No, sorry, you go. Go on. I can't remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> it's blessed, man. I, what I was going to sort of lead on from there with is talk to us through... Because um, you would have been getting different parts. Wait, wait, in fact, which stage school did you go to? Did you go to uh, stage 84? I never. Do you know what? I never... It's a weird one for me, this. I never. I never actually formally trained. Like, I... I went to stage 84 for, I think I went for two weeks and I hated every minute of it. Like it just, it was, I felt, I mean, no, complete, no disrespect to anybody who went to stage 84. I'm sure some people did great there, but it wasn't, just wasn't for me. Like I didn't feel like my face fit and you had to have your dance shoes and you pay all this money. And it's just mm. like, it just wasn't for me, man. So I, I started, I actually started out in, um, I did like an, um, an Buttershaw St. Paul's Amateur Operatic and Dramatic Society. And it was a, a woman that my, my mum used to work for. And I was just a hyperactive kid. And she was like, oh, you should, um, you should bring him down to like being a pantomime. And I was like six or seven or whatever. And I've gone down and just, just fallen in love with everything, really. Dancing, singing, the acting, all that. And then as I kind of grew up, I went through, um, did, did a few more shows with um, Buttershaw St. Paul's. Then... Um, Les Miserables actually came to Bradford on yeah. tour. And I'd, I'd, never, I'd, never, I'd never heard of it at the time. I was only 10. And then my mum's my friend said, oh, you should, you should go audition for it. And I was like, yeah, all right, why not? And again, I turned up there and there was all these kids with the, their agents and the, the CVs and the dance shoes and all the that. I turned up and I pumped some wings up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, tur I turned up with my, uh, my 199 Windsor Warehouse pumps and yes. uh, beat them all. Windsor's World of Shoes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Oh, we got Ryan Thomas watching. Yes, Ryan. He's locked down as well. Um, but yeah, so from there, I got I got Les Mis and then in my little 10 year old head, that was that was it then. I was going to be an actor and that's that's what I was going to do. Um, and then I did a couple more of the shows. I did Oliver again at Bradford Lambert and did Lamey's again in Manchester. And then I got to a point within like musical theatre where I was too young to play an adult and too old to play a child's part. And there was no real kind of place for me at that time. So then I, um, I started out with a, an agent called Carol Godby in Manchester and then started just going for, for TV auditions. And I was, um, what was I like? I was just going for auditions for like different, like small parts and stuff. And get, I, was get, I was getting quite a lot of stuff, which was, which was lovely. And um, then all of a sudden in my, my last year of high school, I went to, to Intake High School in Leeds. Um, my last year as I was doing my GCSEs, I got, um, got Hollyoaks. And that just turned everything on its head for, for me. Before we delve into Hollyoaks, could you maybe uh, shed some light on the audition stages, you know, the, the sort of, because that's a whole world in itself. I think that that'd be a really cool documentary to really sort of look at the audition side because there's so much that goes into it before, obviously, you actually get the part. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's each audition is completely different, you know, like there's not, there's not really a, a set kind of, I mean, musical theatre auditions are completely different to like film and television auditions. Like it's, musical theatre auditions, in my experience, have been kind of like the archetypal, you know, like you see, if you see an audition on a, on a, um, hang on, sorry, there's a massive lizard that lives in this, this <laughs> villa that we're staying in, and he makes some well weird noises, and he's really, really big. What we'll right, try here at find some point, anyway. I've got my cat just chilling over there, we'll see if the cat and the lizard, that sounds like a pub, <laughs> sounds Mate, like a pub. Honest, honestly, you want to see, like, I know I'm, we're pretty much like in the jungle, but you want to see some of the creatures that live here, man. Like in this, in this past few weeks, I've seen the biggest spider I've ever seen. I've seen, I had to rescue a frog from Lloyd's room. I've seen a snake, monkeys, everything. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy out here. It's crazy out here. Um, but back to, back to the audition process. Um, it can be extremely daunting. Like, I think one of the, the main things as an actor you have to have is like mental toughness because... Mm. You have to, there's so many times you go into an issue and you won't get the part. And if you are sensitive to that, it's probably not the right job for you because if you go in and get completely knocked every time you don't get a part, it's gonna, it's gonna affect you. So you just have to kind of go in, do the best you can do and walk out and leave it behind you because, but then in the same sense, like sometimes, especially in TV stuff, like and film stuff, You'll go in for an audition, then you go for a recall, and then you'll have to send a self-tape off via the internet, and then you'll be on Skype calls with producers and stuff, and then you'll be thinking you're getting so close to do it, and then all of a sudden, you just won't hear from them ever again, ever. Really? They don't, they don't think they go, oh, sorry, you didn't get it. They just go, nah. <laughs> just, just leading like, you on. Oh. Yeah, it, can, it makes you take, but that's, again, that's, that's part of the industry, and it's just something you have to kind of, like just suck up sometimes. Do you, do you feel with the extensive experience that you've had, obviously that comes with that experience or straight away at that young age, were you quite mentally strong to, to battle through? Yeah. Do, do you know what? I mean, 
like I said, going through my first audition, like, I mean, as a youngster, you have, you, I think when you're a kid, you have that, you have that confidence anyway, do you know what I mean? You mm. have that, like, you don't care. Like, you'll go, you'll go play Big with anybody, sure. you'll go talk to anybody. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I did anyway. Um, do you think, sorry to cut then, you, because a bit, do you think, you get, sorry, 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 Chris, sorry to cut you, do you think that comes as well a bit with sorry. Ben Bradford, a bit cocksure, a bit, you know, when he's sort of that age coming up, I, I find that I, that's one of my strengths from being from Bradford. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, and yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like I said, when I went for my, my, my first ever big audition for, when I went for Les Mis, like, I was a little bit scared because I was like, do you know what? Like these people are not going to go to drama school with stage eighty four and Scarlet Kids and all that. And I was like, oh shit, I, I don't belong here. But when I got that at such a young age, then from that point onwards, I kind of was like, what's the words? Like I, I, just, I was like, well, bollocks to everybody else. Like I, I can do. I'm confident in my own ability. Do you know what I mean? And then after after that, even now, like whatever audition I go for, I kind of I think you've got to at least make a good impression. So you've got to go in and just just projects that confidence on onto them. Even if you don't feel it like fully inside, you've got to kind of just muster it up and go in and be like, hi, I'm Chris, nice to meet you. Thanks for seeing me, da 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 And just, just have that, that personal ability. Do you know what I mean? You've got, mm. you've got to have that confidence in yourself. Because one thing my mum my always says to me is like, if you don't believe in yourself, then no one's going to believe in you. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? so true. So, so yeah, but obviously, I mean, the more you do it, like anything, the more you do it, the more you become comfortable with it. I wonder, and I am going to come to all but I wonder then, how does that sort of pigeon tail, pigeon, well, like lead on, I suppose, into the sense of when you've not got a role and you're going for auditions, how do you sort of like get between A and B? How do you sort of just stay afloat? How, how do you keep your, your, your sort of mental fatigue up, but also, you know, the the I suppose the the hunger the hunger yeah I mean do you know what it's I've had my I've had my ups and downs in in that in that sense and I and I was incredibly lucky because I had I was in Hollyoaks for seven years so like I joined Hollyoaks at fifteen and I left when I was twenty one and you don't realize I mean looking back on it now it was a mental time like. You think about it, like your formative years coming out of high school, I've literally come out of high school, just on my GCSEs. And then all of a sudden, I mean, at the time I said, like I said, I didn't realize it, but all of a sudden I go from being Chris Fountain from, from Bradford, who's going to intake high school to half the country knows who I am. And mm. everyone wants to take pictures and, and it's just, at the time you get wrapped up in the bubble and it's, it's, it's all exciting and stuff and it's, you're earning a good living and you, you're getting attention and it's great. But now I look back at that and I'm like, wow, <laughs> that was intense, man. It was an yeah, intense it must period be, of time. It must be intense because I, I, I remember a theory that I heard is that the, the age that you sort of, I don't want to use the word make it because I think that I don't really believe in that term making it, but the, the, the sort of time that you become to, to public prominence you really yeah. then don't have, unless you want to bet yourself, you really don't have any motive to, to grow up. Because at that time, you also have a lot of yes people around you and you, you, know, you don't really get yeah, to... Yeah, I mean, I was, you don't, I was, you don't pre really get to grow. I was pretty lucky, man. Sorry, go on. I was, I was, pretty, lucky. I was pretty lucky in that, res in that respect. Like, I didn't really... 
I didn't really have that many yes people. Like a lot of my, my close friends, and especially my mum, my family, if I ever started to get in any way, shape or form, like being big headed and, and anything like that, people, I would have been got a crack off my mum or, <laughs> or took my granddad would have slapped me. Like I would have been told like straight away. Um, but like there is, a, there is a certain sense of like, you do get wrapped up in, in stuff. So, so I'm sure as much as I've always tried to be like polite and, 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 and friendly with everybody that I meet, like you're never going to make everybody happy. Like there's mm. certain times when like, I remember when we, we, play, we used to play quite a lot of charity football matches with Hollyoaks. And I remember there's times where there'll be five, 600 people who all will wait behind after the match to sign, to want an autograph or a picture or whatever. And you'll try your very, very best to get round everybody. But at certain, a uh, certain point, the coach is leaving and yeah. like 400 people that you've managed to sign, they'll all be like, yeah, Chris Fountain was lovely. He signed everything. Da, da. But the three or four people that you don't will all be like, nope, he's a big head. He's arrogant. He didn't sign my thing. And it's like, and you can't, it's just tough, man. You can't, you can't do it for, you know, although, although you try, you, it's just, you'll never, you'll never please everybody. And that's, that's kind of something that I've kind of try to try to live by is you can't please everyone so like you've just got to just try your best i'd say that um you know being raised by a single mother in bradford as well like yourself i think that when you are raised in that situation and you look at you have a blessed mum like i think that we're almost the products of how we've been she's raised, watching so. by the way hey Hi, mom. i see you know sound yeah my mum's watching Yes, respect. I didn't know that. I was just about to pick her up as well. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, Lindy, Lindy Lou won. She's watching. I've got to say, I've got to say a few of those actually. I've seen a few people saying hello to me that are watching. I've got to say hello to Wayne and to Teddy and Ryan and Scarlett and everyone. Hello. I <laughs> respect, man. No, I was just going to say what I tend to find is that we, we are like a product of how we've been raised in a sense of it is about the manners and it is about the respect. And I think that in an industry that you're in, Mate, 100%. I think that that's the man. But, but, I, but I think not only does that not stand you out, I think that a beautiful sense is how we've met just through different circles and then been able to get on a level. It's always yeah. it's just that. You, I think you take people at face value as opposed to industry, what they're going to get out of me, what are they, do you know what I mean? And I think yeah, you've got it, such man. A skill. Yeah, I think, I think you've got to. I mean, I always... I always try, I never try and judge people off of... I mean, you've got to give someone more than a first impression sometimes. You know what I mean? I mean... I've like although I try and persuade myself as being as being quite confident, I get quite socially awkward sometimes. Like if I if I don't know people, if I'm with like my close close friends, everyone will tell you I'm an absolute weirdo. Like I'm a <laughs> weird individual. But if I'm around people that I don't particularly know, I find it quite hard sometimes to to just go up and be like, "Oh, hi, I'm Chris." Mm. Da, da, da. I find it a little bit like intimidating to do that. Mm. But um, Oh, hang on. Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd just put a message in the group saying, make him a cuppa. Look. I'm busy, mate. I'm busy. I'm talking. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you've, you've just got, I think you've got, you've got to give people more chance. You never know who's having a bad day. You never know. Like, I don't think first impressions are always bang on. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's a great outlook to have. I definitely agree. Now, we're going to get stuck yeah. into Hollyoaks because you were in the heyday of Hollyoaks for me. And, uh, I saw a question yeah. that came up earlier by Ryan Paul, good friend, shout out to Ryan. He said, what would you say your, yep. your great yeah, storyline was? 
What was your greatest storyline for Molly Oates? That's a tough one. Um, well, actually, my friend, my friend, Kira, my friend Kira Johnson, who's in um, Hollyoaks with me, is also watching. She just said hello. Hi, Kira. <laughs> um, do you know what? I was I was incredibly lucky at Hollyoaks because because I was there for such a long period of time. I I got gifted with some absolute belting storylines. There was some really I got. I, and I think it's the misconception that when you spend a long time in soap, then you kind of play the same character uh, all the time, and it's just like one kind of level. But I went from being horrible to being nice. Then I slept with my teacher, yeah. which and everyone loved it. And then <laughs> I sent her to prison, and she got killed, and everyone hated me. And then I came back, and it was like it was kind of a big, big roller coaster. Um, but I had some like I think the Justin and Becca one was that was a big one for me because it was it was. One of the first times it had been done on TV, and it was it was just everywhere. Like it was a, it was a big thing within 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 the country at that time. Like a lot of people were were were, were into that. And then there was another. I had another storyline where it was a, the big thing about who pushed Claire off the balcony. And weirdly, at the time, there was I think there was like five suspects who it could have been, and the producers didn't actually tell us until maybe, I think it was like maybe a month before that they were going to reveal it. They, they were really clever. They kind of interweaved all these different storylines. So I, it could have been me. It could have been someone else. It could have been someone else. But it turned out it, it was me. <laughs> Killed her. And do you know that sort of relationship when you're on a, long, on a show like that for a long time? Do you find that the writers, when they take a liking yeah. to you, they sort of write with you in mind? Yeah, I think... Um, it's, it's obviously if you're in a show for a long time like and like I like to think my range is, is pretty broad in terms of playing like a good character and a bad character like some people prefer others I kind of like to go all over the place really but and sorry do they yeah do I mean they obviously as, sorry, you have a lot of... sorry it is on a bit of a delay so sorry. sorry but uh, when when you do that you know like when you reach out and a producer may know that you like to you know like have a wide range do they approach you and take you to one side and yeah. say, right, we want to push you in this angle? Or do you go up to them and you say, I want to be pushed a bit more? How does that conversation sort of materialise? I mean, initially, initially you'll kind of like, you'll, you'll kind of go in every every few months to have like a little general meeting with the producer. I mean, it's, do you know what? It's, it's a long time since I've done this, to be honest. If, if my memory serves me uh, correctly. Like they, um, I remember Brian Kirkwood, who is in, who's the executive producer of Hollyoaks. He's actually, he's an absolute diamond of a book. He, um, he always had a really open dialogue with the actors. So if you have, if you had to, wanted to ask anything, you could go in and see him and he'd always kind of keep you in the loop with like what they were thinking of doing. And you, you kind of had, you kind of had like, you don't have a, I mean, it, it would never be that I would go up and say, right, I want to do this. This is what I want the storyline to be. That's, that's not how it works. But you kind of do have a little bit of input in terms of when you have your long-term meeting, you'd be like, right, well, okay, well, if this is what we're going to do, I'd like to kind of play it this way. Or you can kind of, you've, you've got a little bit of, of maneuverability. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you can go up and go, right, I want to be the heartthrob of the show now. And they'll go, oh, okay, great. <laughs> no, that's but, uh, interesting. Yeah, you do, you do have a little bit of, um, what's the words? Input. You do, you do try and get a little bit of input. And obviously, when, when you're in a show for such a long time, like I was playing Justin for, like I said, for seven years. Like, sometimes if, if there's, there's, you'll, you'll get a script and you'll be like, well, I don't know if, if Justin would essentially say that. 
mm. and you kind of you speak with the dark because you, you forget there's such a there's such a chain of people that comes from the writers through the producers through to the script editors through to the director through to the actors so by the time it gets on on the floor when you're actually doing it it's gone through so many people and you, you have to kind of respect that yeah um, but yeah it's, it's 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 an interesting world, man. It's 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 uh, it's something I'm incredibly incredibly passionate about, and I, I'd I'd like to hope that this is what I'll continue to do until when I retire. But you know what? Who, who knows? Um, so, what was Curry like then? What was it like? You know, two, you know, one quite I'd say more youthful in its appearance, and then Curry, which is just a stalwart, legendary, iconic. Yeah, soul. yeah. So, what what was it like uh, on there? It was. Oh, what's going on? Oh, oh I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. Um, do you know what? It, it, it was, it was, it was an interesting one. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story actually. Um, my audition for Hollyoaks, for, for Coronation Street. Sorry, I got I got called up to Manchester to to do a screen test, and um, I had my script and I was proper prepared and like ready to go. And anyway, they booked me a train ticket from London to Manchester. And I was reading, I, I mean, at, at the time, I kind of, a lad called Ryan Thomas, who's, who's watching at the moment, he's going to love the story. He, um, basically, I knew that he played Jason Grimshaw in Coronation Street, and I'd known him for, for a while, like, I don't think he liked me at the first, because I think I gave him a wet <laughs> willy once on a football trip, and he, he never forgave me for that. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, I've gone into, uh, I've gone into the, the first class lounge, at, um, well, what, what, what train station was it? Victor no, not Victoria. King's Cross. Well, Houston. Houston. Just like, you know, you're first class, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pay for it, though. I didn't pay for it. That's what I mean. You've got to take advantage of these stories. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I've got my script and I'm proper prepared. I've had a good night's sleep and I get into Houston Station. And, I, and I, I, thought, I thought I was seeing things because I was like, I'm sure I'm doing a screen test with Ryan Thomas. And I'm sure that's Ryan Thomas in Houston First Class Lounge. <laughs> with Richard Fleishman looking incredibly hungover. <laughs> so I've gone up to him and I was like, mate, I'm doing, I'm doing a screen test for you in about two hours. You went, yeah, don't talk to me. I'll see you there. <laughs> like, that was it. That was it. That was it. That was the start. And I got, I got there and he walked in and he, to be fair to him, he absolutely smashed it. I mean, I was like, how is he going to manage to do this? But <laughs> he did. And to be honest, I've got, I've got to give him, give him credit, man. I, I, maybe, maybe he's the reason I got the part. Who knows? <laughs> I love that. I love that. And then from there, your experience on Curry was all roses. Cause, and again, you know, like everybody who you sort of uh, have worked with previously, is there still like a close, you know, rapport and relationship? Yeah, man. I mean, like, like you say, when, you, when you're working so closely with people, I've, got, I've still got some unbelievably close friends from Hollyoaks. Um, and like I say, when I, when I joined Coronation Street, um, became really great friends with some, some I've got some like, like, like Ryan Thomas is one of my best friends like now. And like he, kind of took me under his wing when I first moved to, to Coronation Street. We lived together. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't think he enjoyed it as much as I did living <laughs> with him because he didn't really like me very much. So it was a bit <laughs> weird. But, um, uh, yeah, but no, we're like, we're like super close now. And I've got some, I still keep in touch with a lot of people from there. Because um, you, think, you think about it, like you're working, there was, a, there was a time when I was working with Michelle Keegan when our characters were, were seeing each other on the show. And I don't, some people don't, don't realise this, but when you're filming, um, uh, a soap especially you never really shoot it, it don't always shoot in order yeah so you could be, you, this. yeah yeah you, you could have like sequence no no so you could have like you could start off your day at seven o'clock in the morning 
all in terms of like what what locations are available and what what the schedule is like, where the other characters are, and all this stuff. But if like if, for example, there was there was a, a day when me and Michelle were doing like some scenes, and it was just me and her in every scene all day, seven in the morning till seven at night. Like, something like something daft like ten or eleven scenes, but it was completely out of sequence. So the first the first scene we did. It's seven o'clock in the morning after we've done for makeup was us two absolutely screaming at each other, tears, crying, going nuts. And then the scene after that was the scene from like two days earlier where we were all happy and friendly and like, <laughs> and then, then we go back and it just, it jumps around. So you really got to be, you've got to be switched on to, to kind of, that's, that's one of the, the, a lot of people don't think that the actors particularly work hard. And it, it, I mean, compared to, doctors, nurses, like some people with like, like really super important jobs. We're not very important, but like people who do proper jobs. But I think in terms of, um, in terms of the way that I look at it, it's, it's, it's mentally tough. Like if you imagine, if you, if you have to pretend to, to be really upset and like screaming and being really emotional and you have to do that for seven hours of a day, by the time you get home, you've got nothing left. Like you've got no, like you, you, you drained, and that's that's where it's that's where the toughness comes sometimes. I think I think I, I think like some people overlook that a little bit. Do you feel that for a future project you'd still like to, if the opportunity presented itself, be put in a long term soap again, or would you, you know, based on that sort of draining side of it, would you prefer oh, I mean, maybe listen, shorter it's, it's, projects? Listen, I I mean, I think soaps are massively underrated. Like it's. You you got like, and I've done like, I've done like a, a few like uh, dramas like last last show I did for was for Kay Mellor a show called Girlfriends, and it's still tough. But you're shooting maybe maybe four scenes a day. That's that, like because you've got a lot more time to rehearse things and to whereas soap you've got to get out five episodes a week, and that's that's non-negotiable. You can't like that's that show is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you have to get the turnover is so quick. So like when you're doing when you're shooting a film or, or something like that, you might have like all day to shoot one scene. But when you are on a soap and the pressure's on and you've got to finish by seven thirty and you've got two shots to do and you've got to get that tear to drop there yeah. and you've got to get like everything's got to be bang on. You are under some like it's under some serious pressure, man. It's 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 hard work. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think massive shout out to all every single actor working in soap because i know it's it's not it's not as, as easy as, as people think now one thing I, I wanted to really touch on was uh your wonderful sort of travel travel lifestyle in a sense of uh, yeah you love your festivals you love your music talk mm -hmm. to me a bit more about the djing and um is there a you know is there a potential of producing potentially yeah well do, do you know what i i've been i've been djing since i was 16 um I, I when i first started did you start in the loft no no i didn't <laughs> one of my first gigs was at um at superna a club that i used to, to own in leeds oh yeah 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 yeah. but like when i first started djing i used to i used to i was a massive garage head when i was at school yeah, yeah. garage and grime like the very like the early stuff early early stuff lighter crew lighter yeah. lighter <laughs> up, up, up. <laughs> but, yeah, so I used to I used to play I used to make hip hop mixtapes and I used to play reggae and bashman and all sort all sorts of stuff, and then kind of progressed and like like started playing house and techno. I've kind of been like all over the place now, which I think kind of 
Pardon? Said, don't go straight. Don't go straight to techno. I went all the way around there. Everything, big room house, all sorts of stuff, man. Every you name it, I played it pretty much. Um, but then I, I kind of I started taking it a little bit more seriously, probably about five years ago now, and I started really getting to know my music. And after after going through all the different genres I've been through, I kind of had a, a bit of an understanding for it. And then. I started producing. I went to Manchester Midi School, um, oh, yeah, yeah. To kind of just to learn how to, um, to learn how to make my own music. Because it, with the way that I, so where I struggle is, I never actually properly learned to play any instruments. Mm. Uh, the only real instrument I can properly properly play is, is like drums and percussion. Oh, fair. <laughs> um, uh, yes, that, that's my that's my instrument. But like, I feel like I feel I've got a, quite a good ear, so like I can hear what I want to do. So it just takes me a little bit of time to, to actually get it, get it to do what I want it to do. But like to transfer what's in my head onto the computer, that's why I went to the college course and started doing that. And then, I don't know if you know him actually, I, I work and go under an alias of uh, 22. That's kind of my DJ name, but that's with another lad called Will Crawshaw from Oh, from yeah, Leeds. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so me yeah, and Will, man. I think me and Will have probably oh, had Will. like, yeah, man, we've had about like 10, 15 releases now, like some pretty like decent labels and stuff. It's never... It's never really gone as as far as I wanted to go, but like I genuinely I, I enjoy making music, and I don't. I think a lot of people now fall into the the trap of like they're trying to make a track for a certain purpose, for mm. a certain label to be played at a certain place. Like whereas a lot of the time when I sit down to to write, I'll I just see what comes out, and I I like it. <laughs> if it don't go, if you don't end up going massive and be played by Jamie Jones and whoever else, like. Who cares? Like I enjoy it, and I just annoy my mates by just playing. Go, oh, listen to this tune I've done. Listen to this tune I've done. That's you can. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> is is there any is there any producers out there who you look up to? Because obviously, like when you are rocking about oh, like, yeah. these festivals, any sets that have blown your mind, and anyone that you want to sort of shout out? <sighs> Completely, man. I mean, you, you you've been to Burning Man, like that's yeah. we've met there. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna talk, Lee, we're gonna Lee, talk the, about that, bro. Yeah, the Lee the Lee Burridge Sunrise sets there are just. Next level, next level. Like, I mean, I actually, I actually help co-run an event in London called Lost in Sound, and we play a lot of that kind of style of music, like the melodic, like techno, like kind of like the stuff that you hear at Burning Man, like it, the, the sunrise, like the dusty kind of mornings, and like beautiful melodies, and like we call them, I call them Lost Slum Groovers. So it's like nice, right down there, got a little bit of melody going on. Yeah, man. Um, but yes, do you know what? I, I, there's a couple of producers from Leeds that I am absolutely loving at the moment. You know, do you know Dave Garfit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, he's, Dave a good, Garfit. he's a good friend. He's uh, in Australia. He's, he, I want it a minute. Yeah, man. Nico Maxson, mate. He's been making bangers under the radar for like five years, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Me and Will, me and Will actually remixed one of his tunes, and I was like, "Who's Nico Maxson?" He was like, oh, "That's David Garfit." I was like, "Oh, wow." Yeah. But yeah, he's he's absolutely smashing it, and also Matt Farrow of Kepler, mate. Okay. The garage, the garage stuff that he's making at the moment is ridiculous. Like proper, proper, groovy. Like it's kind of, it's kind of like throwbacks to like the old, like when garage first started, and it was like a bit more raw and not like as vocal and nice as as what the old school garage kind of side of it was. It's it's there's some there's some good music, especially now. Now everyone's locked down. I can't wait for like five six months 
there's going to be some absolutely yeah. ridiculous music flying around, man. Because everyone just, wherever I look, all my, through my Instagram and on my Facebook, like all like the musical people that I know, whether it be like my, my mate Rick Fleishman and his girlfriend are writing, like they're writing an album together that's amazing. They're called Make A Man. They make like folky kind of music, techno, garage, like, um, do you know what I've, do you know what I bought recently, actually? Have you, have you heard of um, Mark Rabier? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The guy with the loop station. So yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I make music. Like, I just like to get it down, like, straight really quickly. So I bought, like, the same loop station that he's got. <laughs> oh, my God. They're so fun, them, you know. Like, you can just, like, you don't even need to be that good at instruments. You can just sing it and just, like, beatbox and, like, band and stuff. Over and on it and then echo. Oh man, it's it's so fun, mate. It's it's really really fun. So you'll have to send me that over. You'll have to send I me that over because I watch him. He's a sick guy. He's a sick he's guy. He's unbelievable, so bro. Yeah, he's good. Know what Becky he does. Yeah, I've kind of set myself a challenge um, at this like for this year. I want I want to test myself and like do like a live performance, like just me and a little keyboard, a drum machine, and like do what he does, like just 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 make it up and just like. I'd, I think that's um, that's something I just challenge I've kind of set myself this year. Mate, let us know when you're doing that because that'd be incredible. I will. To, yeah, to, I will. To, 100%, to, man. To, to touch on him, he got he got stuck in his New York apartment lift and he was just making tunes off like Tammy tapping <laughs> yeah. against the lift. He, got, he just did um, he just did a quarantine series because he was meant to be doing um, he was meant to be doing a like a week's worth of gigs in Australia, and it got cancelled. So basically, every night. He just sat down and people, he does a, like a live stream, people ring him up and they give him a topic to make a tune about. And he just starts and just <laughs> some of the stuff he comes up with is incredible, man. It's yeah. really good. No, he's genius. He's is, he is fully, fully genius. Yeah. Nah, man, you'll have to let me know about that because I'm, I'm interested. 100%, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, Listen, you know how what? are you doing? What's, what's going on? Uh, what's going on for you? You know what, mate? Respect for asking. I'm blessed, you know. So, obviously, while lockdown, trying to be as creative as I can. So, I wanted to do these loose lips chats to just yep. get to people, to know people, spread optimism, yep. just spread, like, a good vibe. That's what I feel like my calling is on this planet to do. So, thinking this yep. time, I want to step up and stand up and show that side. When we're out, I'm going to be doing my comedy tour. So, I went on tour last year. I did Leeds, Manchester, London, and then I flew to Australia. Mate, let me know when you're in London, man. I'll come see you. I'll come and represent. Come support. 100%. Honestly, like, I'm, I'm blowing smoke up me on trumpet, but I am the UK's Dave Chappelle. That's what I'm going for, bro. Like, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I've put it out there. Oh, I've God. Put it out Dave there. Chappelle, but, man. But, no, it's blessed. It's all blessed. So, I'm looking to do that. Like, I'm also DJing as well. I, uh, I play I... Manchester a lot, like in the Northern Quarter mainly. So I play at like Crazy Pedro's and Ply. And yeah. Oh, the pizza place. Eh? The pizza place. Yes, mate. The pizza place. Honestly. Crazy, crazy Pedro's. Pedro's. Bad place, you know. I don't mate, know why. Yeah. It's I've been sat here with my phone in my hand for the last 45 minutes. I just decided that I'm going to lean it against a bottle of water. Like, it's, look, I've got to use both my hands now. The animal puppets and... <laughs> you look like you're that. a crit. You look like you're throwing up gun that, size. That's, 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 <laughs> it? No, oh, man, dear. no, man. What a sick chat. You know, I, I honestly, you know, I, when, every time I speak with you or every time we get to Nata, it's always on a level. Like you've just shown there, you always show, like, genuine interest. And I, I, I do, I think... Yeah, man, because you know what? Like, like, like I... Even though people like I can say I'm I'm stuck in Bali, which I, which I am, like I'm in a really like I'm in a good position here, like and it's I'm really like I've, I've 
I say like a little affirmation every day. I'm grateful for, for, for where I am. Like me and my friend, me and Lloyd were saying before we went and just nipped to the shop, like to be able to, to do that. Like just nip out on the scooter and like this, this sun, because there was loads of clouds today. There was like a big ra rainstorm. And like um, the sun was going down. So like the entire sky was pink and there was clouds. I'm just driving around. There's all these green rice paddy fields. And I'm just, we, we kind of slowed down on the bikes and went, tell you what, like this, this could be like, we're very grateful for being able to like see this because like in London, if I was in, if I was at home in London, I would be completely like locked down in my flat. I don't have any, I don't have an outside space. And it's just, sometimes you just got to take, you've got to like have a little stop and a step back and just be like, shit, man, I'm grateful for, 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 for stuff. You got to, whatever you're grateful for, you've got to be great. You've got to sometimes just step back. And just and just make sure you have a little moment to yourself and think about it. Do you know what I mean? Hundred percent, man. There's just two more from me, if that's cool. Leading of course, mate. Leaning on from what you're just saying there, man. And every time I do speak with you, there's a real solid spiritual element to you, or a universal feel. Like there's a lot of gratitude mm -hmm. there. Can you talk us through how that sort of came into your life, and you know how how sort of prominent a role it plays? Yeah, I mean, I'm. Not, I wouldn't kind of say it's a super spiritual thing or a super like I kind of like I've never massively been religious I've never been that's never been like something that's been a big part of my life but just kind of as I've got older and through my own experiences and, and going through going through some depression going through like losing like people that are close to you and stuff like that I think I've kind of just formulated my own kind of way of thinking and, and, and way of being and I've always been quite just like an open person, like I don't, I don't really hide my emotions. I'm quite an emotional person, like uh, like my friends will tell you. And I just think like there's so many like different ways of living. Like you've got like the universe, and you've got Buddhism, and you've got Islam, and you got there's all these like I just think it's just kind of there's so many rules and regulations. I think all all I try to put it really simply and just like be brave, be optimistic, and just be a good person. Like, no matter what, no matter where you're from, what you believe in, anything like that, just be good. That's, that's as simple as it, as, it, as it is for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to, you don't, if you want to meditate, meditate. You don't have to meditate every single day. You don't have to do this every single day. Like, just do what you can to try and make your, you, you can't, not everybody can change the world, I don't, I don't think. Like, everyone, everyone can do their bit. And I can only alter what is, is in my immediate kind of circle. Do you know what I mean? So I just try and just make, make sure I'm good and make sure I'm kind and make sure and try and be as happy as possible. You know what? That's a beautiful optimistic. That's a beautiful sentiment. And be brave, be optimistic and be good is such yeah. a, an amazing life. Do you know what? I'm not going to take full credit for that, you know. Right? I've, just, I've, been, I've just finished reading a book um, by a guy called Gavin Oaks and it's called Life Will See You Now. And... Like I said, I only touched on it just briefly. I've had my issues with depression and anxiety and that stuff, which is another another conversation for another day. It's not a it's not a positive loose lips conversation. <laughs> but like honestly, if anyone's ever been through any stuff like that, like read that book, man. Like I've read it in in a, in about a week, and it's just it's not it's not as as full on as stuff like the Power of Now and Secret and stuff like. That. It's just it's just that kind of vibe. It's like it's funny. It just tells it tells you to to play more, to look up from your phone, and just like just don't like be brave and be optimistic. That's like that's where I nick that little bit from there. Like and 
the more I think about that, being brave and optimistic, like, what's going to What's the worst that could happen? Do you know what I mean? Just, just, just be brave and optimistic and be good, and that's it. That's all. Can I've you got share to say. the title of the book again, please, and the author? Yeah, it's called Life Will See You Now. So life will see you now, and who's Hang it on, by? Let me get one sec. I get the book. Exclusive. Life Is will see flipped? you now. Life will see you now. Gavin by Gavin Oates. Yeah. Perfect. Have a, Perfect. Have a read. You know what, brother? It's got my hand sanitized. Got my hand sanitized. <laughs> Mate, you could that. You you want to sell that? That'll be your flight back. Mate, that's that. So. Whoever bought, whoever bought shares in hand sanitizers absolutely smashed it. <laughs> you know what I was thinking, Matt? You know, like when you do the uh, Amazon behind the scenes shop where you don't have the products, but you order the products and you just like send it on. If you yeah. would have done that in Amazon, like in, uh, in hand sanitizer, you are balling now. All hand sanitizer and face masks, you smashed it. Yeah, you know what? The problem making the videos, putting hand sanitizer overhead like Pete Rondre, Mysterious Girl video. <laughs> Oh, mate. Robert. i tell you, tell you what was pretty mint, right? Last, last night, and I can't, I can't show you now. I don't know if it's still there, but last night in Bali, there was, um, like, this mad moon phenomenon. I always, oh, yeah, I always yeah, a bit... full moon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it, but they said it was a full moon, but, like, there was the moon, and then it had, like, this massive, like, ring going, like, all the way around. I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. It's, it's crackers, mate. Like, this moon had, like, a halo going around it. It was, it was bonkers. No, a lot of my mates who were into the uh, well-being and healing side, they were all, like, manifesting and getting the crystals out, charging it to that moon last yeah. night. So, yeah, I do definitely believe in sort of those entities and those powers. But when you're yeah, there there's and you're seeing it, you going on. Know, there's, there's definitely something going on there, man. It's all kind of – all sorts of stuff happening. I don't, don't, I don't pretend to understand it all, but there's stuff happening there. You know, you've got to zone in and vibe. But uh, the final one then, because – I've got Go uh, I've got Tristan Dacuna on after. Uh, what a DJ! Yeah, mate. What a DJ Tristan is, mate. Jesus. So if you want to uh, stick about for that chat after, get involved with watching that. But um, yeah, man. Yeah, let's try in the next three minutes sum up Burning Man. <laughs> because because <laughs> because it's three minutes in three minutes, like bro. Three <laughs> Jesus. It, it's no. a life change, isn't it? Have you been Glastonbury as well? I've never done Glastonbury. I've done I've done Burning Man um, four times now. You, you did one by yourself, didn't you? Solo, you yeah. I think that. that's what I, is that what I saw you? Yeah, no, you saw me the uh, the WAF year when we that's all went to quite, Lake. We myself. all went to Lake Tahoe. Was it? I don't. Mate, it all rolls into one, man. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, but do you know what, Burning Man for for me, like I try and sum this up really quickly, like. Like I mentioned before about people always, from leaving high school, people have always, someone somewhere knows who I am because of Hollyoaks or they see me on this or they see me on that. So like, I remember the first time I went to Burning Man, it was quite a liberating experience because it was the first and only time in my adult life where I went out to a party and no one gave a shit about Hollyoaks or Coronation Street or Chris Fountain or Dancing Eyes. Everyone just treated me like everybody else, because they had, they had no idea. Like no one, and I, to be fair, I was dressed like an absolute lunatic anyway. I had <laughs> goggles on and a hat and all sorts. And it was, it was really liberating for me because I just, I didn't have to, I could completely let loose. I didn't have to worry about, oh, am I going to have to take pictures or is someone going to like film me getting pissed or, or it was, it was actually a liberating experience. But I, I, I'd urge anybody if you get, I mean, I don't even know if it's going to be on this year, is it? Like with everything that's going on. 
I don't think they've released the tickets. The ticket was that the lizard? <laughs> that was something, man. You got dragonflies and stuff flying around out here. I don't, I don't think they've released the tickets, but um, I believe that because it's you know back end of August, they, they might be yeah. trying to style it. Say like we're all released, say like May June. Yeah, but you know, you know, how, you know how long it takes to 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 set all that up. Like it's not, it's not like oh, it's in August. Let's go. Like people are out there like months before, like mm. sorting out the infrastructure and all that, but. I mean, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm going to go this year, but, like, I think I'm going to try and do it another time because it's it's just phenomenal, man. Like, the, the people that you meet and the, just... you can I can tell anybody what it looks like and I can tell you what the music's like and I can tell you about the art cars and the, the, the outfits and the sunset. But until you actually get there, you can't describe the vibe of it. And just with, with no money, no class system, no nothing, like... Everybody's on the same level, and you walk around. People will give you breakfast. People will give yeah. you a hug. People will give you. A, a, they'll spank you if they feel like yeah. it. There's, there's, there's all. There's, when you see, when you get there, and you experience like that, the um, what's the word? Like the, the camaraderie the of, and just the, the community of that yeah, place is, is like nothing. It's like nothing else. Like everyone sometimes tries to compare it. It's not a festival. It's it's it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a city that's there. And then disappears. It's, it's bonkers. But yeah, if anyone gets a chance to go, like I, I fully recommend it. You know what, brother? I think that's a perfect way to wrap up. But if you want to do this yeah. again another time and we can devote a bit more time to talking about Burning Man, I think that'd be sick because I think that yeah, would be another like lead in there. But uh, yeah, course, respect bro. for doing this, brother. Thank you hey, always. Listen, man. thank you, man. I think like I think this is a great thing what you're doing, man. Like having a having a nice chat, like it's been it's been good. It's been good. And I, I appreciate you having me on. Nah, respect, man. And we've had a lot of people through a lot of comments. So uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, listen, uh, sorry through. to everyone who's, who's like said and put a shout out and stuff. I've been fully wrapped up in this chat, so I've not really had a chance to shout everyone out. But Harry, big ups. Mum, hello. Ryan, everybody. Lloyd, Paris, all. Wayne Feasy, big shout out. Love, love to everyone. Yeah, and shout out to Bradford as well. Whipsy Massive, you know that represent. Blip, blip. You stay safe and cool out there, brother. And, Cheers, uh, bro. I'll, I'll send you another message. When I, when I eventually get back, I might, I might be here forever now. Who knows? Do it. <laughs> you won't try, right, brother. Mate. In a Take bit. Take care, man. Bye. Love. See you in a bit. Bye. So there we are. Loose Lips, first chat of the day with the man, the legend himself, Chris Fountain. Proper humble brother. Uh, what I really wanted to sort of touch in with that chat was, you know, leaving school and going straight into acting and into a, a successful soap you know, is the scope for life outside it. And one of the things that I really love when I get to speak with him is he's got such a, a lust for life. You know, he's out in Bali currently, um, but he's always seeking the adventure. And, he, you know, he might not put it on a term of, like, being spiritual, but there's definitely, a, I find, a, an air and a wise substance to him through, you know, obviously the experiences that he's lived through and uh, the person that he's grown into. What an absolute amazing gent. So thank you for sticking by. I've got another chat coming up at four with Tristan Dakuna, who is a bad boy DJ producer from Leeds. He is uh, a Back to Basics resident and an absolute amazing wealth of knowledge of just, trust me, it's going to be a good chat. So if you want to check that out, I'll end this live and then I'll send it back. But thank you, everybody, for stopping through. Shout out, Emma. Shout out, Ryan. I see you. I respect it. Thank you, everybody. I'm Ben Random. This has been Loose Lips. See you on the other side.